May 17, 2023. It's a Watt for Pedro show. Thank <laughs> you. 
show happy wednesday start off with john co-training with miles davis live last tour he did with him right bye bye blackbird i think they only did this tune well after the paris one uh yeah they got booed so they never played it again on the tour then we had teenage panzer corps unfavorable meanings because of those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention, I got with me Brother Jason, friend of Dean Roberts from New Zealand, but now both Berliners. Welcome aboard, Jason. Hey, man. How you doing? Well, I'm okay. Uh, knee's still fucked up. Van got donated, but my hands are good. Working with my missing men on a new album. But let's oh, talk about great. you, since you're the guest and you hold sway. But still, I'm interested in your journey through music. So please bring your earliest music. Oh, well, first, we got to give Brother Dean Roberts credit for the connect. But uh, what I want from you, please, Jason, is bring your earliest musical recollection. Wow. My earliest musical recollection probably would have been as a little kid tripping out on some Godzilla film soundtrack. And it was probably uh, Monster Zero, I believe the film was. I got completely blown away by that. Kaiju. Uh, and then... You know huh? Kaiju? They call Kaiju the guys in the rubber suits. <laughs> exactly. The guys with the big, with the big cloth feet. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's several that, different monsters. Real... Like you were saying, uh, Monster Zero, but I think his original name was Gitteron. But for that movie, yeah, the guy's name. It's the three-headed or guy. Plan right? or, yeah, uh, plant Monster Zero or Planet Zero. So it was Godzilla versus Gitteron Rodan. Yeah, yeah, but Monster Zero. Anyway. You know, they rename him for the, the, the current movie. So what about your pop? What about my dad? My dad. Oh, so anyway, and then um, remember that movie Zulu with Michael Caine? Absolutely. Remember that one? Absolutely. Loved that soundtrack as a kid. And then there was this movie called The Blue Max with George Papard and I think Ursula Andress. It was this World War One. I, I think it was aerial Bar uh, Baron von Richthofen. Epic. It was basically about him, yeah. Yeah. Played by George Papard. Yeah, right. and that soundtrack blew my mind. So basically started with um, film soundtracks. Okay, let me ask you this. The pad you grew up in, 
Was there musical yeah. instruments? No, funny you ask. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, my sister had this, God knows where this thing came from, man. My sister had this old Spanish-style guitar with a super wide neck. Nobody ever, ever played it. I had no idea in the world it was even there until uh, the day my sister was moving out. And all of a sudden, sitting right there in the middle of a room was a guitar. Um, at first, it was intimidating to me. I just sat there and plucked at it. Uh, my dad tried to fool around with it for a little bit, but then it just found itself uh, underneath the bed again for a long period of time until years later, uh, it popped up again in the house. And I think I learned how to play Smoke on the Water, or the, you know, the Smoke on the Water riff on it. That was probably the farthest I could ever got. Which but is no, kind of no, a no rip real, uh, No real instruments. Kind huh? of a rip-off. Yeah, Smoke on the Water riff is Stooges loose. With an extra little right. half-step thing. Let me ask you, you this. Mean. In grade school, yeah. were you in the marching band or the choir, shit like that? Yeah, um, I was in the choir. Um, after third grade, my mom was so terrified of the California public school system, and she started sending me to Catholic schools. Yeah. So from the fourth grade on, I was starting to sing in the choir, um, each class at the school was required to host a couple of masses several times during a month. I was always in the choir, um, school plays. I was always the singer. Um, yeah. So that's how I got introduced to this, I guess. Okay. Let me ask you this. What was the first record yeah. you bought with your own money? The first record I ever bought with my money was a Disney production. It was the legend of sleepy hollow. Ichabod Crane. Exactly, with that graphic of the headless horseman with the pointy feet. Well, he wants your uh, head. That's why he's throwing the fucking fiery pumpkin. <laughs> exactly, that was it. That okay. was the first. So that was the first record I really ever bought, and then the first rock, the first music record I ever bought. Well, for me, music uh, is music. I, mean, I the got first, the first like. I don't give a shit about genre. Well, I've on. grown out of that shit. Let me ask you this: What was the first gig you saw? Oh, wow. The first gig I think I saw, um, I think it was the Grateful Dead show that my sister took me to at the Glide Memorial Church in San Francisco in the early 70s. I think it was. Okay. Yeah. Now, you said you got back on that guitar. Did you, uh, besides the smoke on the water, did you pursue it further? No, I didn't. Um, I couldn't tune the thing for shit. Um, at some point in time, my mom tried to get me to take guitar lessons. This must have been in fifth or sixth grade. Um, she was worried about all the skateboarding, and so she wanted me to spend more time indoors. Um, I certainly wasn't reading very much, and so she thought maybe guitar would be something I could get into. And I took maybe about a month and a half of lessons, and I just wasn't into it. Okay, let me ask you this. Not after school, yeah. I graduate, but in the afternoon, the basement band, the Bedroom yeah. band, the garage band, did you get in that kind of shit? Yeah, that stuff came that stuff came in eighth grade. Um or seventh grade summer, eighth grade summer, we got together this uh Van Halen A C D C uh cover band. You could only imagine what that sounded like. Well, maybe A C D C and Van Halen, right? <laughs> right. We, we tried to. Kind we of. Tried to. <laughs> yeah. It's like building some, somebody's, mods. Somebody's, somebody's, mom rented, somebody's mom rented some amps and parts of a drum set. And I think we thought we were doing it for a minute. But, um, yeah, that was my introduction to band stuff. 
I was going to say, it's kind of like building models, you know. It looks like the real thing, but not really. <laughs> exactly. We exactly, did, exactly. Yeah. And I think at that point in time, I was supposed to be on base, uh, but uh, we were able to determine pretty quick that I was not going to be the bass player, that I was actually going to be the singer. Kind of made sense. Did you try the bass? Now, I'm a little prejudiced towards the bass. Um, yes. We had this... Uh, my. my Buddy's older brother had this blonde P bass, and um, uh, what she referred to as just being a big dumb guitar. Um, <laughs> and that's what I used to hear all the time. I used dumb guitar. I used to hear all the time four string guitar, four string. But you know, the more I've worked with it, and the less younger I get, I found it's a four string drum set. Uh huh. I can see that as well too. I was always told that a piano is a kind of a drum set. Absolutely. It's very percussive, and there's one button for every note, and you fucking kind of bang them. Why not? Now, now right. here, here's, here's my proof about that with the bass. The Fender makes something called, and also other companies make these baritone guitars. They're tuned down an octave just like a bass guitar, but they use them little strings. So they ain't got the punch. That's why I say it ain't. A fucking four-string guitar, but that's just uh, my personal isn't opinion. That, isn't that one of those crazy things that Brian used, Brian Wilson used to fool around with? I tell you, uh, if you watch those first, like Cream made a video for "I Feel Free" on their first record, Jack Bruce is playing one. Okay, but he switched over to a, okay, okay. a real bass very soon. These motherfuckers had a whammy bar out of me, but but uh, Dan Electro made them. Uh, several people made baritones. I'll tell you where they used them a lot for Dublin. Uh, tic-tac bass in country western western swing but also okay. dublin like on the fucking aerosmith rocks uh you know back in the saddle shit that's a, that's a baritone that's a guitar. baritone that well it's doubled it's doubled yeah because the big heavy riffs on the low string now now to this band that you said paid tribute to acdc van halen did you guys ever do a gig no we never ever did a gig um um <clears throat> I remember a few rehearsals uh, in my town where I grew up in Sunnyvale, just outside of San Jose. I know Sunnyvale. They got the three big Zeppelin hangers. Uh, They do, as a matter of fact. (laughs) I've Um, driven by many, many times. And there's one at Moffat Field. And actually, it's because of those hangers, that Navy base there, that I actually landed in Sunnyvale because my dad was in the Navy. My dad was a Navy pilot. Ah, my pop was in, in Sunnyvale. My pop was in the Navy too, but he's a machinist mate in the engine room. Right, and you, you and I one time were talking in Berlin, and you said my dad, you said your dad had the black hat on, and my dad had the white hat on. <laughs> well, they call they call engine Dude. room they called engine room guys uh, black gang, and it was probably from the days okay. of coal, right? Probably from coal, coal Pro- dust. Yeah. Probably, okay. it could very well be. It could very well be. Um, so yeah, since anyway, you guys that's we, never that's did, why we ended up in Sunnyvale. Since you guys never did, yeah, big military deal. Since you guys never did a gig, at least you right. did a lot of jam and a lot of prac. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's when I got used to microphones. Uh, of course, back then we didn't have a PA, so we were th- singing through guitar amps yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, and that's when I first started really blowing out my throat. Yeah, trying to sing over the volume through a guitar amp. Yeah. Look, you um, gave me this... Uh, hold on, but then... Well, I want to play some music again. first, because you gave me another okay. Teenage Panzer Corps, we're going to get into this, called Vort... Okay. 
This is a title, brother. For and Vortan Vortung Freund.
Show we started that chunk off with Teenage Panzer Corps. Vortan Vortung Freunde. Then we had Pelican Man. Excuse me, I'm trying to tell the people what songs we just listened to. Okay, then after that we had Pelican Man with part 12 of Planet Chernobyl. This is an opera me and Petra Hayden put together with Charlie Plymail's libretto, part 12 of 15. Brand new from Dream TX is Elated. Then Stefano Palia, my uh, Il Sogno de Manile bandmate. You know Andrea Belfi, Jason. Imago, Junk Orbit after that with Neath. There's a with Plex Visitation. Brother Ray was on the show last week. And finally, Social Unrest with Good For You. Tell me about this band, Teenage Panzer Corps, please, Jason. All right. Uh, hmm. Okay. Uh, in the mid to late 90s, I had a label in San Francisco called Three Acre Floor. Three Acre Floor put out about 13 discs, vinyl, and CDs. Um, one of the main reasons this label this label existed was to present music by a band I had together with this guy, Glenn Donaldson, called The Knit Separates. The Knit Separates put out about four or five things. We went to Europe on a short tour. We came back and the whole thing sort of unraveled. It was at that point in time that Glenn started a label of sorts together with this other guy named Lauren Chassie in San Francisco called Jeweled Antler. 
and what jeweled antler primarily it was a collective what jeweled antler primarily focused on was a bunch of homemade music in part improvised in part field recorded okay and all of a sudden uh, within a matter of months, there were about, I don't know, six or seven bands that these guys were in. And it seemed like they were putting out at least three or four releases like every half year. Glenn is from Southern California. He's from Orange County. He comes from a pretty formal punk rock background as well. He and I were both punk rockers back then. And all of a sudden he turned to me and he said, hey, man, why don't we just get in the room, press, play, record, and let's just record some songs. So I went to bass. By this point in time, Mike, I had started playing a little bit of bass. Uh, Glenn was on guitar. And then this guy, Pat Tovez, who used to be in the San Jose punk rock band called Ribsy, um, who you may or may not have heard of. They were sort of uh, old Bay Area stalwarts in the uh, 80s, starting from the early 80s. Um, R-I-B-Z-Y, absolutely fantastic band. Um, Pat was in Ribsy. At times he played drums. At other times he played guitars. He's multi-instruments, multi-instrumentalists. So we got Pat in on drums. And then this guy who I met in Germany years ago on tour, this German guy named Karsten Scholl, he used to come to California on these vinyl hunting safaris. He was a punk vinyl collector. And so he'd end up spending two or three months in California. And so we said, all right, well, why don't we get this German guy to sing? I don't know if you recall, but in the 90s, there was this whole new sort of rekindled interest in kraut rock and stuff like that. So we thought, okay, well, we'll get a German guy on vocals. That'll be interesting for everybody. So Carson starts on vocals, I'm on bass, Glenn's on guitar, Pat's on drums. And like I, literally, like I said, we just pressed play record and we just churned this stuff out. Um, there were no rehearsals per se. Um, we all knew what we were doing. We all came from this music. We knew what to do. So we just pulled it off. And then, uh, you know, I guess back in the day, you used Pro Tools and stuff like that. You'd sort of clean it up in Pro Tools. But beyond that, there really wasn't much to it. So that essentially is Teenage Panzer Corps. We did about four or five albums, did a bunch of records on Silk Breeze, um, did a single on Release the Bats in Sweden, um, got Brave Mysteries, put out a cassette anthology. Uh, there were like four singles, four seven inches, five albums, maybe some comp tracks. Pretty fun band while it lasted. That band then splintered into what it is I'm doing right now, which is this band called The Walking Corpses. Uh, and Glenn now, uh, he had this band called Horrid Red, who you might have heard of. He also has this band now called the Reds, Pinks, and Purples, which are doing pretty good. Now, Teenage Panzer Corps, was that your second band? No. No way, man. That was, uh, God, I don't know, like my fifth or my sixth or my seventh. Because you talked about having a, a band. You talked about a band before t all these people that you were talking about. And then I know there's the band that was doing covers of Van Halen and ACDC, so... I, I that was just kid stuff in junior high. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, everything's kind of connected. That's why I wanted to talk about it. So what's between Teenage Panzer Corps and that high school band? Okay, so, or that junior high band. So, um, after that junior high summer with the Van Halen ACDC cover band, uh, fast forward about a year and a half. At this point in time, it's like 81, and uh, I'm definitely into hardcore. And um, uh, all of a sudden, my best friend across the street, together with some couple of other guys in the neighborhood, dudes I was going to high school with back then, sophomore year of high school, um, we just started getting in the garage. Um, the dude who was playing drums back then was this guy named John Gifford. Uh, his brother, 
who was way older than the rest of us, had a Fender Mustang guitar. He had the remnants of an old Vox bass and bits and pieces of a Pearl drum set. And somehow um, um, we got that drum set together, got some amps from somewhere, and we just started writing songs in my buddy's garage. And next thing you know, we had this band called Grim Reality. And uh, Grim Reality started off pretty slow. Uh, what were but it you became playing? Auspicious in that, um, what were you playing huh? in Grim Reality? At this singing, I was singing. Okay. This begin. This begins my singing trajectory. Yeah. Okay. You got to remember, I wasn't there, so you got to like use words to let me know. Okay, I totally understand. So I was singing. Uh, my buddy Bob Demler was on bass. This other guy, Bill Wasmuth, was on guitar, uh, and this guy John Gifford was on drums. And you know, we banged it out there for about half a year, maybe a year. Was and that then gig? All of a sudden, was, the, was the first um, gig? We started with... getting gigs. Hold on, we started Jason, getting shows. Jason. Hold on a second. I to be able to ask you some questions, okay? Now, yeah, go ahead. Was the first gig in this grim, uh, grim what reality? Grim reality. Yeah, grim reality was the first gig for grim reality. Your first gig ever. Yes, it was. As a matter of fact, tell me about that gig. Okay, I think this show was at the San Jose City College. And if I'm not mistaken, it was with Los Alvidados and Ribsy. I remember Los Alvidados. And yeah, I think it was with Los Alvidados and Ribsy. I believe that was the first show. Um, now, just Mike, just before the show, there was this night at the San Jose, I'm sorry, at the Sunnydale Community Center in which a bunch of people who I would later uh, go on to go punk rocking with had just rented this room and had set up a drum set and had some amps. And there were maybe nine kids hanging out in this room and everyone was just taking turns on instruments, checking each other out as we performed. So and, that's actually uh, your first Was gig. it really a show? Yeah. It was more just sort of like an open-door practice, open-door rehearsal. Well, you yeah. get in front of people but, and you, you know, trying to express yourself. To me, that's good enough for a gig. And would you consider yeah. that either one of those gigs, or both of them maybe, successes? Yeah, of course I did. Uh, well, I wasn't I there. You got to tell me. Now, I've had a lot of you know, gigs guess, that were not successes, people throwing shit and stuff like that. So that's why I ask that. Oh, I've been through all that, man. I've been through all that. No, <laughs> so this, was def- this was definitely a success. I had people patting me on the back. I had people saying, whoa, dude, didn't know you could do that. Whoa, dude, you guys, you want to come and try out for this band? Whoa, dude, you want to do this? You want to do that? So, yeah, automatically, affirmation, total affirmation. Yeah. And that's then, great news. Uh, and then as, How long does this band huh? last? Room reality maybe lasted um, until, oh, shoot, man, maybe the beginning of 84, the middle what of 84. What broke it up? Yeah, Grim reality. Can I, can I tell you something about Grim reality? What, well, what broke the Real band quick. up? What broke the band up? Yeah. Uh, well. Um, Hold on. We're going to have to save it. Up, we're going to have to were... save it for next. We ran out of time. We're at the end of the first hour, May 17, 2023, edition Pedro Show special guest Jason from Berlin. Hold tight for hour two. May 17, 2023. It's the second hour of the lot from Pedro Show.
Thank you.
Watt from Pedro Show start off the second hour with Disney Boys doing Sea Caves. Cod O'Donnell with By Transmitter Hill. Ratchet Orchestra from Quebec with In Search of Tone Roads number two for Charles Ives. This man made his own instruments, people. And then finally, Disney Boys with I Thirst. But before we get into Disney Boys, people, we got to hear about Grim Reality, what ended up with him. Please bring Jason. Okay, so a um, couple of cool things about Grim Reality. Um, are you familiar with Oxbow, the band Oxbow? Of course. Eugene Robinson? Huge. Okay. Yeah. Do you know... Whipping dude, Boy. Whipping Boy. Do you know do you know Nico Wenner, the guitar player in Oxbow? No, but I remember Whipping Boy. Okay, Nico was also in Whipping Boy. Okay. Okay. Nico, who is now the guitar player in Oxbow, was also the guitar player in Whipping Boy. Nico came to Whipping Boy from Grim Reality. Nico was in Grim Reality. Nico, who is now in Oxbow, was the guitar player in Grim Reality. So that's a pretty cool thing. Absolutely. Okay? You understand cool I didn't live up there, so I don't know that well. But I remember when Whip Boy, and I remember you, Huge is a pretty uh, uh, persona, individual, unique guy. I, I, I dig him much. Exactly. Yeah, I've known him since I was a little kid, man. I've known him since I was like 15 years old. Yeah, intense guy. He, I think he went I mean, to, we don't, you know, went we, to don't, we don't see each other for years, but when we see each other, you know, it's always, you know, I think you know he went to, to I think he went to Stanford. He went to Stanford, dude. He was a he was a defensive back at Stanford. Yeah. Yeah. So that Yeah. And and also and, a and Steve Ballinger, the big the big huge dude on the on the Stratocaster. Uh-huh. Steve Ballinger, he was also on the Stanford team. Wow. Yeah. See, people, yeah. anybody can do punk. You just got to have enough fucking cojones. So tell me about exactly. how, how Grim Reality Wait. ended up. Okay, so anyway, anyway, um, Grim Reality went through very many different changes. Uh, all kinds of permutations, all kinds of defections, people coming and going, left, right, and center. But I pretty much remained the, um, uh, the, the constant in the band. I was there from day one. I was there at the very, very end. A neat thing that ended up happening with Grim Reality is that Stevie Caballero put out a cassette tape, a compilation of San Jose bands from back then. Ribsy, The Unaware, Grim Reality. I'm pretty sure Los Ovidados was on it. Um, there were a couple of other bands on there as well. Sorry, guys, if I can't remember who you are at this point in time. But anyway, it was called Growing Pains. It was put out by Stevie Caballero. It was the first release I was ever on, and Pusshead did the cover for it. Yeah? Pusshead did the cover for it. I thought, that's pretty fucking smoking, dude. Your first ever release ever put out by Stevie Caballero, and Pusshead does the cover. I had no idea in the world what I was doing. I'd never been in a studio in my life. Yeah? Then um, Stevie also put out a, I believe it's an eight-track seven-inch called From the Valley Within. And that was Grim Reality, Ribsy, The Faction, and Mistaken Identity. And that was the first vinyl release I was ever on. And that probably came out about a year after the Growing Pains cassette. But the, so that's but, pretty cool. But the band ran its course. You say, uh, what, ran yeah, out of gas? Yeah, the band ran its course. Um, and what ended up happening is, um, okay, so I don't. are you familiar with Social Unrest? They're a pretty old Bay Area punk rock band. They've been around since like 79, 78 or 79. Okay, and they'd seen me perform with with with, with Grim Reality, and they were looking for a new singer because Creighton uh, had let them know that um, he was moving on. He didn't want to be in the band anymore. 
And so they were actively looking for a singer, searching for a singer. They saw me perform with Grim Reality, and they called me and they asked me if I wanted to sing for Social Unrest. I said, well, at this point in time, I don't really want to because, you know, I'm just, I, I was already in a band. I was in Grim Reality. It was my baby, so to speak. Um, and then about a month later, uh, I basically got notified that our third drummer, I guess who that was, was moving. He was uh, moving on. He was going to go do something else, which meant that we were going to have to find another drummer. And I think at this point in time, both Ron, Isa, and both Nico had been asked to join Whipping Boy. And so Grim Reality just effectively dissolved, at which point I called Social Unrest and they said, hey, man, yeah, you want to try out? Come in next weekend and come try out for Social Unrest. And I tried out for Social Unrest. And how long were you with Sam? And I got the gig. How long were you with Sam? Social Unrest? Uh, from, I guess, like spring of 84 till around November of 87. Okay, you know what? I oh, I'm, sorry, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, until November of 88, until November of 88. <laughs> Remember uh, Monty Python, they asked the guy his favorite color, and he gets it wrong. <laughs> Look, uh -huh, I'm going to okay. play some more Disney Boys, and we'll talk about Disney Boys.
Watch from Pedro Show. That chunk of music. Start off Disney Boys doing Ruined Eye. Then Adele Mead with Interlude Number One. Hootie and the Urchins with Life in the Middle Class. Andre Vida out of Berlin. Sax Man. Expat like hmm. you, Jason. 0709. Friend of uh, uh, Andrea Belfi and uh, Larry uh, Mullen. That's where the, when I had uh, I met you and uh, we were talking that day. Bondo with Egoizing. And then finally, Disney Boys spiking my skull. Tell me about Disney Boys. All right. Uh, around 2014, I was at a party in Prenzlauerberg here in Berlin. Um, prior to this point in time, I had been super involved with all kinds of uh, sound art and performance art. Um, I had let somebody know that even though I still love that stuff, I was missing the uh, rock and roll days, the heavy-duty rock, high-powered rock, being on stage, gyrating, moving, sweating to the sound. Um, somebody told me that there were going to be a couple of guys at this party that I should meet. Um, I went to the party. Actually, there weren't two. There was only one. It was this dude named Chad Cornies, who used to be in this band from Vancouver. I think this was in the 90s, called the Spitfires. And then later on, he had a band called the Black Halos. Um, he and I talked. He said, hey, man, you should come down and uh, just jam with us one afternoon, one Sunday. Uh, sometime very, very, very soon. So I went down there. I met this guy, uh, Chris Frey. Um, I met this guy, Tom Wenzel, and uh, we started writing some songs. And then next thing you know, we started writing some more songs. Next thing you know, we were recording a 7-inch. Um, actually, I think you have that 7-inch. I sent it to you. There's a song called Find Water, and there's a song called Sea Caves. Um, we recorded that, and then we just started doing tons and tons of shows here in Berlin. Do you remember the, first, do you remember the first Disney Boys gig? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Tell what about it? Well, I wasn't there. You're going to have to tell me. What about, about it? Uh, I completely knocked myself after like six or seven songs. Um, I was completely dehydrated. I blew my vocal cords out, and I think I gave myself a hernia. Jesus. Yeah, that I've never had looked at. I've, I've, never, I've never had it looked at since then. I, I know I have a hernia because doctors have looked at me and said, you know you have a hernia, right? And I remember exactly the night where I got it. Whoa. Now, you said this is yeah. 2014. So what was in between that, uh, what was it, social yeah. unrest? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so after social unrest, there was uh, there was this band called the Knit Separates. After the Knit Separates, there was this band called Teenage Panzer Corps. While Teenage Panzer Corps was going on, I also had this band called the Child Readers. Well, at the end of the Child Readers and the end of Teenage Panzer Corps, I started doing the, the solo thing, this performance thing called The Shitty Listener. And what the shitty listener was, was kind of a lo-fi, found sound, uh, found instrument, uh, one-man act in which I would uh, tell stories, um, sing a cappella, and basically just play loops, uh, play bits of songs back on Walkmans and recorders, and just improvise music to them. Now, why didn't you send, so me, why, why didn't you send me any of that? I didn't think you'd be interested in it. <laughs> I told you I don't like genre. Music is music, so I'm going to take it all. I, I, I got I'm, it. I'm curious in your uh, journey through music. Okay. 
Uh, well, yeah, okay, I totally get it. I mean, uh, I mean, if you're very curious, of course, I can send you stuff for you to listen to, you know, privately. Certainly, I'll send you that stuff. Um, but this is what I was doing, and um, I was hanging out here in Neukölln with a bunch well, of people. Well, you should, who you should were... kind of tell me how you got to Germany because we, all we were talking all California, NorCal, and now we're talking Berlin. Right. So how'd that happen? Okay, so um, summer of '87, social unrest. Um, ends up getting an album licensed in Europe by a label and distro in Amsterdam called Concurrent. And they had us come over, I think, in mid-July, summer of 87. We were over there until about early. I was there until about early November. We were there for a while. And um, we toured all over Western Europe from Norway to Slovenia, down to Spain, um, with everywhere in between except for France. While there, I discovered all kinds of music that I had never, ever encountered in the States and Canada once. Uh-oh, totally oh, blew Jason, my mind. I got Jason, completely I'm gonna, fascinated. Jason, I'm going to have to hit the huh? pause. I'm going to have to hit the pause button for a second because we ran out of time. We're at the end of the second hour, May 17, 2023. Dishwap Pedro Show special guest, Jason from Berlin. Hold tight for hour three. May 17, 2023, it's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
Watch for Pedro Show starting off the third hour with Knit Separates. Hey, Black Sunshine, Paranoid State from Netherlands. Keep on. Keep it on, rather. Phil Venerable, Baseworks number three out of North Carolina. Pineapple Empress, South Side of London. Oh, my boy. Diane Marie Kloba, Tranquil Night. And finally, Knit Separates again with Messerschmitt Practice. So to continue your story about how you ended up in Germany. Yeah, so anyway, um, we toured over here for about three months. I ended up encountering all kinds of music uh, that we did not have in the States back then. And um, I just realized uh, that this was the music scene that I wanted to be part of. I wanted to be over here. So I tried to get back over here as fast as I possibly could. The only way that I could ever end up spending any amount of real time here was, of course, if I had a visa. And at that stage in the game, back in 88, the only way you could get a visa is if you were a student. So I ended up going to university in southwest Germany, this place called Tübingen. You might have played there before or passed through it. Um, And I was there for about a year and a half or so, maybe a little bit longer. And um, yeah, while there... I ended up, uh, oh, there's another band I forgot about. I ended up getting involved with um, a few people uh, who were heavily involved in the West German punk rock scene back then. Um, And we ended up having this band called Happy Ever After. We put out uh, a a 7-inch and did a split single with another band, did a tour, opened up for Die uh, Cruisin'. Remember Die Cruisin' from Milwaukee? Ended up opening up for them for a bunch of shows. Uh, yeah, good times. Late West Germany, uh, 88, 89. And what's Knit Separates? Okay, so the guy that I was in the Teenage Panzer Corps with, Glenn Donaldson, okay? He and I, he and I uh, formed this band called The Knit Separates. The Knit Separates now was me uh, having had it with always being the singer in the band. I decided now that I actually wanted to play guitar and some other stuff. So by this point in time, I could actually uh, play a couple of chords. And I had a couple of guitars sitting around the house that I'd gotten somewhat comfortable with. And what was significant and really important for me about the Knit Separates is that this was Adwater Insta music. It was like around the time of like B-thousands and Alien Lanes, all those early Guided by Voices records. Of course, I, 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 I have to say I was completely inspired by these records. Yeah. Home recording, home recording, home recording, dude. So all we did was we hung out in Glenn's place and we just, he had like a Tascam four track and dude, we would just hang out Friday night and just record albums, hang out Saturday night, record albums, hang out Sunday, record albums, go camping, bring recording gear with us, record albums. We just started recording albums like crazy. Yeah. And um, this is really important for me. Because I had had such bad experiences in the recording studio as a younger guy, I sometimes felt like I was kind of like a gear guinea pig, you know, Um, there'd be a producer or somebody, maybe they didn't mean this so much this way, but they had a whole bunch of new gear that they were checking out. And here was a little band that they could sort of try this stuff out on. I might not be articulating this exactly how I want to, but I think you get what it is I'm trying to say. And ultimately, thankful for the fact that I got to be on records, but they didn't always sound like the records how I dreamed of them sounding. Yeah. And all of a sudden, when we were the producers and when we had that task, task four track, when we were tuning the guitars, how we wanted them to be tuned, when we were playing the kind of guitars that we wanted to play, when we were setting up the drums, how we wanted to set them up. And then all of a sudden we started making the albums of our dreams. Or at least for me, they were the albums of my dreams. They always sounded like the albums I always wanted to be on. And uh, that was that for me was very, very, very important about the Knit Separates, completely completely changed and revolutionized how I thought about recording music and certainly how I thought about being in a band. 
Okay, I want to play Walk. And uh, we did about three albums. We did about three albums, a bunch of uh, a couple of singles, a bunch of stuff. Okay, I want to play Walking Corpses.
Watt for Pedro Show. Last music for this edition. Start that chunk of music off with Walking Corpses doing I Never Tire. Then the Xenochronic AMM All-Stars. I, I, I did bass on this. Where you send in over the internet your bass part. Uh, to, it was people in London. Improvisation. Seek in the Dark. Son Kevin, this is the son of Cynthia and Ivan Julian Slade. Uh, Ivan Julian from Richard Hell and the Voidoids. Finally, mm-hmm. Walking Corpses with Easy Weapon. Tell me about Walking Corpses, Jason. All right. So the Walking Corpses probably goes back to about 2015. Actually, it goes back to earlier than that. Um, Karsten, who was a singer in Teenage Panzer Corps, lives in Aachen, Germany. That's about 500 miles away from me. Okay. Right on the border um, with Holland. I just played there. That's where Charlemagne has exactly. thrown. Exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. Okay. Um, from time to time, Karsten would be in Berlin either visiting me or here with one of his other bands. He had a couple of other bands that he was active with here in Germany. Um, and when he'd be in town, I would record him. I'd record his vocals. Or a buddy of mine, John Higgins, had a little studio. We'd record Karsten's vocals at uh, John studio. And with that, then I would then record or make little soundscapes out of noises. I was generating together with Carson's, uh, uh, voice or his vocals, whatever you want to call them, kind of like music concrete type stuff. Okay. Well, all of a sudden about two cassettes in Carson, let me know that he doesn't want to be part of the project anymore. So then I go to, um, some friends of mine here in town, primarily a bunch of Australian guys, and we start focusing on a whole different phase of the walking corpses. Um, did you ever know John Murphy? John Murphy, the uh, Australian music personality. His dad was a really well-known, I think, uh, wartime and post-war Australian jazz drummer. John was a I know a Jim White. Drummer. Jim White is the drummer man I know from Australia. Okay. John Murphy. John Murphy, man, you cannot leave John Murphy's resume. John Murphy was in, I think it was Australia, called Trump is Australia's first punk rock band. They were called the B-Beats. I'm not sure if they were from Sydney or if they were from Melbourne. I can't remember anymore. They're called the B-Beats. And then John had this monstrous career man he was in uh he was in um uh nina hagen he was in um or he played drums for nina hagen at various times he was in um jason um, we only got a couple associates he was in jason we only got a couple minutes left let's hear about your music i'm I'm sure mr murphy is a great drummer okay so anyway all these guys um so we ended up uh we ended up um John was on one of these cassettes, and then he actually contributed some stuff on our first full-length album, which actually only came out as a cassette. Sadly, John passed away, okay? But um, regardless of John, it says me and this guy, Julian Percy, me and this guy, John Evans. There's also this guy, Chris Anton, who's in the band. And there's also a guy, uh, Ify, Christian Ifland, who runs a really great record store here in Berlin called Static Shock Records. And what you're playing right now is from the record I just did with these last four guys. And we just did a show last week here in Berlin together with Sudden Infant. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Sudden Infant. We just did our first show in three years since COVID. We were actually going to do a record release uh, two nights before everything fucking shut down, that COVID spring, that March. 
Our record release show got canceled, so we finally had a record release show last week. It was absolutely fantastic. That was the first live show I've done in three years. I couldn't believe it, dude. It felt so fucking good. It felt so damn good. And what's your next music plans? Good question, man. I don't know. The thing is, is I'd like to continue on with the Walking Corpse. It's real, real bad. The thing is, is Julian, the guitar player, lives in Portugal, so it makes things kind of difficult. We're all planning to go there to do some recording. I think in the meantime, what I'm going to try to do is focus more on the shitty listener this performance thing that I was telling you about, this solo thing that I do. Actually, I just got asked by some dude to do a benefit. Um, there's a center around the corner, a bunch of Ukrainian refugees, and they're looking for people to uh, perform for the people there. So I think I'm going to put on a shitty listener show uh, at the Ukrainian Refugee Center, sort of a benefit. Yeah, if you could, That's what it's looking it would be like. interesting to send me some shitty listener because I'm curious to what it sounds like. You tell sure. stories. I can huh? totally do that. Do you... Okay, okay. Do you do you want me to send you MP3s or what do you want? Yeah, the same way okay, I got I this I this that. music that you had your buddy Jesse send it to me, right? Right, right, right. Exactly. Okay. okay, I think I can do that definitely. I would appreciate it much. So, but but walking corpses are still going to keep. It's a still going concern with the new members. Definitely, 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 definitely. The plan. I think the plan is we're going to go to Julian's. Got this house on the coast in Portugal. Yeah, uh, we're gonna fly down and hang out in the sun and work on some shit at his uh, home recording studio. There's a good music scene in Lisbon. Yeah, he lives not too far away from Lisbon. I think he's just south of Lisbon. Yeah, very experimental and stuff. I know uh, Alex from D uh, Dirty Beaches spent a lot of time there and stuff. Anyway, th I want to thank you oh, so much the for Dirty Beaches. Yeah. Yes, of course. <laughs> you know that guy. He's been on the show. I you know I've got to guy. collaborate. Alex Huntong, what would you call him? Colleague? I look up to him a lot. Beautiful yeah. man. He's been on the show. Cool. I saw them. I saw them in here in Berlin. That's a cool band. I saw them here in Berlin uh, once or twice. Yeah. So yeah, send me some shitty listener. That'd be righteous. Thank you so much for being on the show, Jason. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it, dude. And thank you very much for your interest. Okay, people. It's been the uh, May seventeenth, twenty twenty three edition of the Waffle Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.